Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. I'm your host, John Drury. I teach systematic theology for Wesley Seminary at Indiana Wesleyan University. And Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where a couple seminary profs, friends, and scholars, whatever we call ourselves, uh, jump into the lectionary text for the upcoming Sunday and engage a little bit in it, explore it a little bit, see if we have some insights that we can offer to our listeners and one another, and then uh, conclude with some uh, preaching ideas, or at least the beginnings of some. Uh, I, we just finished recording this episode, and uh, we hope that it'll be fun for you. I had a blast. I uh, um, We didn't have a fully cooked sermon at the end. We don't always pull that off in an hour, but hopefully we have some ideas that will be of some edification to all our listeners and, and uh, getting uh, especially preachers started on any sermons they're working on. Um, my usual uh, regular, mostly regular co-host is going to be on uh, is on this week, uh, Aaron Perry, who uh, teaches uh, leadership here at Wesley Seminary as well. Uh, so yeah, we're doing the uh, fourth Sunday of Easter, and a passage comes from John 10. You'll hear more about that when we jump in. Uh, remember to uh, subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and uh, review our shows positively, I prefer, uh, so that uh, people get the word out and find out about uh, fresh text. So um, thanks so much for listening, and here we go. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's crack it open. We're on uh, we're on looking at the uh, fourth Sunday of Easter, John chapter ten, verse twenty-two through thirty. So, although I think you focused in your sermon on a little bit earlier in the chapter, but it's all still part oh, yeah. of it. It's all still piece of it's all of a piece. Yes. So, who wants to read? And who wants to pray this time? You want to read or you want to pray? Sure. I'll read. Right. Happy to read. Twenty-two to thirty. Not happy to pray, huh? Your no, anti prayer. No, that does not give me an air of greatness. That's like the opposite. It's all humility. That's right. Yeah, man. I'm not ready to pray. I may need to. But. Okay, 22 to 30, you said? Yeah, yeah. 10, 22 to 30. John 10, 22 to 30 says Then came the feast of dedication, that is Hanukkah, at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple area walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? I think I read one verse too many. Oh, well, that was a pretty cool line, though. (laughs) For which of my cool miracles are you going to stone me? (laughs) And there is the reading for today's passage, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we stand in your presence and we ask that you would grant to us this very hour 
the grace to seize the task and receive the gift that you have appointed for this hour. Our task is not the great work of your son, Jesus Christ, who has completed all the work you have given him to do mm. and has declared that it is completed. But we do have our little task, our work to perform. We imagine that it has something to do with study and conversation and preparation for the preaching of the word. And why not? That all seems fitting, but perhaps you have other tasks that we not yet see. We ask that you would grant us the grace for the tasks that we anticipate and the tasks that we do not. And same also for the gift, the gift of this hour. Again, this is not an hour like the hour of Christ's glorification, but it is an hour of his glorification. It is an opportunity, a moment in which Christ may be glorified in and among us as we converse and in and among all those who are listening in. So I ask, Father, that you would glorify your Son as your Son glorifies you, and grant us the grace that we may receive the gifts necessary for such a great act of glorification that is truly beyond our own measure. Lord God, we ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Stole a couple of those prayer lines from Jesus, you know, especially the Jesus in John. It's good. Yeah, I was kind of, it's kind of getting my John on. <laughs> so, she's read a book. The prayer Jesus teaches us. Yeah, but not the Lord's prayer. You're always trying to get me to write books. I am. <laughs> I am. This is why I started a podcast because so, it just doesn't trigger any of my perfectionism to just talk. Oh, okay. <laughs> and perfectionism then triggers procrastination, which is my. <laughs> But no, no, I, I, I've been, I, I've been tinkering with you, writing you something on John seventeen, yeah. and he used to write a blog pretty faithfully. Yeah, I used to read it a uh-huh. long, long time ago, like, like a ten yeah, years ago. Remember right? blogging? Yeah, blogging remember was blogging. cute. Yeah. <laughs> ten years from now, people are gonna be like, remember podcasting? Remember podcasting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Yep, no, nope. fad. So. Yep, <laughs> rolling with it for now. But there are some blogs that stick around, and there's those ones that are really valuable. That's you know, true. there's nothing wrong with testing out and seeing yeah. what you're good at. And I wrote a lot of stuff that I was able to then yeah. use and develop yeah. later into things. Well, actually, it was I found, valuable. I found my voice. You know, yeah, found my yeah, writer's yeah. voice. Really helped in grad school not be only writing essays. You know, when you were in grad school, you were a pastoring, so you had the outlet of preaching. I would th- imagine not at, not in seminary. I was thinking when you were in your PhD oh, program, oh, that's when I started blogging was when I was oh, in my PhD oh, program. Oh. You know how your voice can become just this academic yeah. insider voice. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt myself losing my voice and yeah. blogging helped me have an outlet. It's good. Yeah. Anyhow. Yeah. So meta. So meta. So meta. So meta. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Speaking of meta, let's, uh, let's take a, I don't know what that meant. That wasn't a very good transition. So what do you notice here? What jumps out at you immediately for just that first stage of observation? Uh, okay. So a few things jump out. One <clears throat> is the way that Jesus and the Father are connected. So he does miracles in, in the Father's name. Mm. Um, he gives them eternal life. The Father gives them to him. Uh, there was one mm. more that I... That, well, of course, uh, I and the Father are one. Um, no one can snatch them out of my hand. No yeah. one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Um, you know, there's some, there's some, uh, ways that the connection between the son and the father are fleshed out for us in this, in this passage. And that immediately makes me notice then the relationship between Jesus and his own 
or his sheep, to use the language here, and and how these two relationships then are connected, right? There's the way the father relates to the son, and then there's the way the son relates to us, and then the way it kind of, you get this almost like Russian doll thing going on, mm. you know, which mm-hmm. I heard you kind of hinting at, but kind of like how like, you know, eternal life is in the father, it's given to the son, and then yeah. the son gives it to us, or we're in him, and so by being in him, we're in the father, right? It just kind of gets so yeah. layered. Yeah. Yeah, the father and I... Are um, one. Also noticing uh, this language of snatch or steal. I think it's just steal. So it's it's what's used of the the thief. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I think steal is the same word here as snatch. So if that's what the enemy comes to do, the thief comes to do. No one can. He's not able to do that out of the son's hand. He's not able to steal out of the father's hand. Um, what the enemy comes to do is impossible to do. Cannot do um, against the father. Am I right on that? Is snatch and steal the same word. I'm curi- curious. Yeah. Uh, Harpase is 28, and then earlier you were talking about, because the earlier good shepherd thing, right, lays down his life for the sheep. Uh, the wolf snatches in 12, right? Yep. Harpase, no, it's, uh, or am sorry. I looking the wrong verse? Go ahead, tell me. Um, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Verse 10. Ah, 10, my bad. Is it, is it the same word? I may be wrong. It's different, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, klep, klepse, you know, klepto, steal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Thuses to kill and destroy. Mm. So yeah, you get this no, different no, term here, it, which is interesting. A, there's a thought there that I remembered. I'm gonna have to look back. I'm have to find it. There again. is a snatching in twelve, though, right? The hired hand comes, and then, um, yeah, Scorpidzane. Yeah. The wolf oh, attacks. it is the same. Yep. It, it's a, the wolf. It, it's the wolf. It's the attacks. wolf. Okay. That's helpful, though, actually, because the then attacks. because well, I think in the earlier analogy, the 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 other. The people who come to steal tend to be like false leaders more, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, yeah, the wolf, the wolf's and, more like the devil, right? right? You've got, you've got, you've got the sheep, and, and it clearly puts the context in the sheep, right? The, That's right. The wolf comes to snatch the sheep, and the sheep are safe in the in the hands of the shepherd. They're safe in the hands of the son. That's right. In the hands of the father. What the wolf wants to do is unable to do. That's um, helpful though, because it connects it specifically. That verb then makes us think of the wolf, mm-hmm. um, which is a little starker than even the thief. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Certainly more I, I, sinister. Yeah, image, it, it makes the promise even stronger when I see it. At least that we will not be snatched. Mm. You know, um, by the wolf. No, I remember. So when I do, so you know, the observation stage of exegesis. When I do lead Bible studies with my teens, we meet once a week on Tuesday. We go through the Book of John. We take like four years. <laughs> it's <laughs> classic, right? You'd probably do it in six months, right? But <laughs> That's why I never write any books, right? We always just do this like simple who, what, when, where, like just to get it started because mm-hmm. it's clear categories. Mm-hmm. You know, we even divide it up sometimes around the room, you know, who's the characters, what, right? And I remember when we did this past, the first time we did it, you know, this is years ago now. And we got to one and I remember his name was Nathaniel. He was like, well, whoever's doing the snatching. And then someone else was like, yeah, yeah, the snatchers. So we would have like the characters of the story, you know. Jesus and the father and the sheep and the snatcher, you know, like, and, and then that became like a thing to like really sort of identify these characters. Mm. But that's when I heard snatchers, I immediately thought of the moment you said like, Ooh, snatch. I'm like, Oh yeah. yeah. Snatchers. <laughs> and, and snatchers is never, is never a good character. Like you can uh-uh. think of like the thief might be a good character. Like they, like a person might be a thief and still be doing something good, have a good end, but, but no one's ever really snatching to a good end. Right? Yeah. Like, that's it's, why it's the right verb. Yeah. Cause it makes it, it puts it in this more violent yeah. context of the wolf who's just yeah. there to devour. Mm. Not just like steal to feed your family, so to speak. Mm. Um, isn't it? Is it the snitch in the in the in uh, Harry Potter? 
Oh, that. I was thinking of something else. Oh. I'm trying to think of the character that my kid, my daughter used to be terrified of this character that was on, um, not Blue's Clues, but the other one, Dora the Explorer. Oh, uh, Snatcher No Snatching. There it is, yeah. Snatcher No Snatching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? That's uh, right. No, no, no. Swiper, swiper, no swiper, swiping. no swiping. That's what it is. This random connection brought to you by <laughs> Diet Dr Pepper. <laughs> so, right. anyway, well, yeah, so back, back to the text. <laughs> uh, 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 great question. Uh, how long will you keep us in suspense? I know that that struck me. That struck question. me. And even the follow up, right? The um, if you are the Christ. Tell us plainly, mm. parhesia, you know, we'll see this again. The disciples are like, now you're speaking plainly instead of in parables or mm. riddles. So the, the term plainly here has some contrast with mm. speaking in parables versus speaking plainly. Of course, he, uh, <laughs> you know, his answer then is all the more striking, right? Yeah. I told you, but you do not believe. It's like, yeah. I mean, I think I've been plain enough, I guess he's saying. Or is he saying, I'm not going to be able to, you know, be more specific than this. Or he says, the wor- the works bear witness, right? Mm. Surely the works speak. But then he goes back to sheep. And he, he's not speaking plainly again. It's back to sheep. Because okay. <laughs> parables, at least in John, parables function to confound as much as they do to clarify, you know? Um well, I think that's yeah. consistent. I mean, often, often there's there's a, there's confusion after the or curiosity after the after the parables. Mm-hmm. Right? It's consistent. Um, and interestingly, I mean, this is one thing that that struck me before is in the the economy of shepherd and sheep. Sheep are are end up giving their life. The the point of them of having sheep is for them to give their life. Right. That's the that's the end game. You care for them because they're they're valuable. And and. Here it's like the the sheep are simply cherished and cared for. Mm. They're, they're kept in the hand. Yeah, they're they're kept close. They're kept in the hand. Yeah, not you know, so just even, to be used. Right. Even right. even the metaphor is kind of is kind of turned upside down a little yeah. bit. Yeah. It's not. Of the course, same. if they're sheep, if they're shearing sheep, you don't want to kill them off. You know, you don't eat all the sheep. <laughs> then you'll never have any close. Well, but but tor- towards the end, there uh, there's always a moment <laughs> where it's like, well, <laughs> their, their life their life is given. Yeah. Yeah. But no, that that is striking though. That even if even if we're being used in some sense for the kingdom, mm-hmm. there is also just a keeping of us, a protecting mm-hmm. of us, and it's giving of an eternal life. Right? Actually, he gives life. Yeah. He gives his life yes, for the sheep, right. not the other way around. Yes, yeah, and that's clear in the in the previous one. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there, there's this there's this mutual giving, and 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 even as John ends up, Peter's recommissioning to be the shepherd. Yeah, is is tied in with him giving his life. Like he's going to be right. a shepherd as he becomes a sheep. That's right. And and has led the way of the cross. One of the things I love about the lectionary is the way it's kind of forcing us into these. I mean, I'm going, I like to make connections. We keep making them. It's really fun to be kind of forced into looking at 22 to 30 because it's often for me experienced as a kind of addendum to the more famous previous verses that first set out the sheep and shepherd. You know what I mean? And I'm so struck even by the opening line that this is, this is at a different time, right? Mm. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, right? And I mean, last time we had a reference to time, it's I think all the way back in chapter seven when he comes up for the Feast of Tabernacles, which is in the fall, okay. you know, so – you know, is this just on the heels of the good shepherd or is this like, is John setting this out as kind of a different teaching? And he like, 
He's he's kind of coming back out into the public during the festival. That's when he would be often have cr- larger crowds, right? Is during a festival, and he's kind of bringing the, you know, the uh, chapter breaks can confuse sometimes, right? Because we immediately think about chapter ten all going together, mm-hmm. and it has the sheep theme, and there is a thematic connection, mm-hmm. but there really is this kind of there's yeah. a little bit of a of a break here, and it's yeah. kind of nice to like. Whereas like in a way, verse 21 ends the blindness sequence because that's where you have that line, right? Uh, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind, right? So the kind of we've never seen a blind man uh, be healed, that that kind of – that point of argumentation sort of draws to a close there in 21. And so I think it's really striking to kind of see 22 through 30 as its own kind of unit, is this making sense where I'm going? Because if you're going linear, you just automatically, in my brain, just kind of subsume it. And I don't know Roll if I've it. given enough attention to the feast season, hmm. right? Um, and is there is there significance, perhaps, in the language of um, sheep and shepherd in conjunction with feast of dedication, right? Um, in the temple, in the colonnade of Solomon. Maybe not. Hmm. There may be nothing to it. Um Although I, one came into mind just as we spoke, thinking of David and his son Solomon and the dedication of the temple and the kind of Davidic imagery of being a shepherd, right? And a king who is a good shepherd. I don't know. It's just striking. It's really striking. Well, I mean, it, and it's it's present over and again. Feast of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter in the temple in Solomon's colony. There's a lot of there's a lot of posture. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of like very very. Specific times. I mean, so I'm thinking, you know, their history, like the sense of of Hanukkah and the the, the cleansing of the temple, their mm-hmm. history with the with the Maccabees, you know, Jewish Maccabees, right? You know, this this expectation that that he's following in these footsteps at this time in this place, and um, the pressure that's coming up. Like, a sense, like when I hear that that question of how long will you keep us in suspense is like they're Ooh. they're they're on a razor's edge too. Like they're they're anticipating, they're waiting, you know, the, the pressure like is building. And that fits where it fits in the book of John too, is because this is like, this is the last big feast before the Passover on which he dies. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, cause next chapter is Razorus, Razorus is Laz, <laughs> Lazarus, Lazarus is raised. Is <laughs> uh, um, but that anticipation, I like that. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's clicking with me. That's clicking with me. Well, let's just take a quick break, quick breather, and uh, maybe dig in a little bit more and run, chase down some of these thoughts. And we're back. Yeah, so what's, uh, I, I want to think a little bit about 25, right? If you're willing to look at this with mm-hmm, me, mm-hmm. Um, when he says, I told you, right? He says, if you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus responds, I told you, but you do not believe. I mean, did he? <laughs> like, I mean, I just kind of want to ask, like, did he really tell them that he is the Messiah in so many words? Or, or has he spoken in a manner that is too difficult to grasp you know like what's the most i mean even his most bold statements that in hindsight for us and as easter christians right 
as followers of Christ living after the resurrection, which by the way, is a great way to even read the book of John is just kind of see these as, as 40 days perspective on the life of Jesus. But like, for us, it's like, I hear a phrase like, I am the light of the world. And I hear, see, he's telling them he's, <laughs> but I mean, that's not plain speech. That's parabolic speech. That's not straightforward. That's not clear. It's, it's as mysterious as it is clear, at least to them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, this is meant as an exploratory question, not as an insult to Jesus. Sorry, Lord. I know I'm kind of asking, you know. Yeah. What does it mean for him to have told them? Yeah. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> No. Although interesting, actually hearing you say that, I'm realizing that he doesn't say I've told you plainly. He says, I've told you. Right. So in a way it's like, I feel like in some ways the, the problem of plain versus mm. versus parabolic mm-hmm. speech is, is itself um, deactivated or, you know, mm. undermined. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are you thinking? Well, my my mind just keeps going back to actually goes back to the the parable of the rich man and Lazarus from Luke. And the end of this, the end of that is this, is this challenge of, uh, let me go back. Right. Um, um, I beg you father, uh, send Lazarus to my father's house. I have five brothers, let them warn them. So they will not come to this place of torment. And the implication is no, they've had everything they needed. Right, they they already had the they had the law and the prophets. It's so great. The response is awesome. Abraham gets the last line in that. Yeah, they they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. Oh, right. Um, No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. I mean, come on, how obvious is that to us in hindsight? Yeah, yeah, that that's talking about even right, even Christ raised is not gonna right like like and it's the it's the you believe po- or you don't either that's way. right it's the posture of the person who's receiving the message and, and that's what puts me back in here like i did tell you but you don't believe like, there there, there's, there's nothing else that i could say to you so so what they want as plain speech is yeah. is impossible for for jesus to give because what is i, I mean the incarnation the, the word of god made flesh if that is not plain to them then there's nothing that could be plain to yeah. them there is no other speech that can be offered um and i was reflecting i'm, I'm just i'm reflecting on the on the connection between the the similar challenge hmm. and, and, and in a sense it's like there's there's a challenge at the end how long will you keep us in suspense if you are the christ tell us plainly like they already have a sense that that he is they already have a sense that this is what he's been hinting at because it's not just emerging out of nowhere for them right right it's already a sense like we think this is what you're telling us. So he's already been been giving it to them with as much clarity and plainness as is needed. And if there's anything else that's left opaque, it's because of of who they are and and where they are. Yeah, and 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 a part of me wants to even flip it around and say it's both where they are and he is choosing. It, if there's any mystery in his speech, I wouldn't I wouldn't put all the mystery up to resistance. Right. Because even the disciples who are said to have believed are confused often, too. Right. Mm-hmm. So I want us I want to say that there's two sides. Right. There's the re, there's there's the lack of receptivity, which is the faith question. And then there's the, the mystery on his side, whereas he's choosing in some sense to put things with a kind of mixture of clarity and mystery. Right. Perhaps because he wants to put the onus on the responder. Right. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to receive in faith what is clear to you 
you know, mustard seed of faith as it were, right? I'm going to give you enough to believe, right? But I'm not going to lay it all out for you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if there's a little bit of that too. Because I mean, he is choosing to speak oddly and and I mean, like you say, like even... But I mean, even the incarnation itself, it's like, if you can't buy that, but then on the flip side, it's like, yeah, but that itself is like we talked about a couple weeks ago with uh, Luke 24. This is an idle tale. This is nonsense, right? <laughs> it, there is something paradoxical and nonsensical about some human standing across the table from you saying, I am the eternal son of God, right? And unless there's an openness to faith, unless there's a, an openness in faith to that great mystery, you're not going to be able to like him making it clearer isn't going to change, isn't going to make someone more open to it, right? It might even make it even more confusing. Is this making any sense? Maybe not. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's so many, so many words that you want to unpack with it because I'm, yeah. I'm thinking about the relationship of the son to the father, mm-hmm. and it is not unclear to the father who the son is, right? And it's not unclear to the son That's who right. the father is. Mm-hmm. So there is perfect clarity between That's them. That's right. Which leads me to think that perhaps what they consider unclear to God is precisely clear. I would agree with that statement. And yeah. so <laughs> so I, I think you're right. That isn't simply resistance because there's some who have clarity uh-huh. later on and uh-huh. they're like, this guy keeps doing miracles, right? And it's interesting that John uses that. Like right. he's going to keep doing miracles and people are going to keep believing him. And so we got to take his life, right? The Romans are going to take our land. So we got to take his life. And so they have clarity, right? They have clarity, but it actually reveals their resistance. So I think That's you're right. right that this isn't. Strictly resistance, but the lack of clarity is not be is not because it's not clear. Right, right. The lack of the lack of clarity is because <laughs> of is because of the the invitation not yet received. Yeah. Um, well, the the medievals would say that it's uh, the the identity of the sun is uh, clear uh, per se, but not per accidents. Right. So, like according to itself. Right. As it is, it is clear. Right. Um, as it is for us, for an individual response, right? Because there are other assumptions built in, right? Other assumptions mm-hmm. like the the Messiah can't come from Nazareth mm-hmm. or the Messiah is going to do this or that. The Messiah mm-hmm. can't die. Mm-hmm. It's because there are other assumptions we're adding to it that's actually mm-hmm. generating the confusion, mm-hmm. right? It's not the claim itself that's unclear. It's, yes, right. it's the other falsehoods that are creating contradiction. Yeah. And therefore, ultimately, it is resistance, yeah. right? Um, Perhaps not but, conscious uh, resistance, not, not, right. not rebellious resistance. It doesn't always have yeah. to be a matter of rebellion, because yeah. I don't think the disciples are in a state of rebellion yeah. in their confusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, that's that's, a great, know, that's, a, thought. that's thought. a great That's a great category to maybe tease out for people in a church, though. It's yeah. Like you've got some that are, are resisting, but they're not rebels. Yeah. You know, there, there's, there's a, a lack of, a mixture of, a lack... A mixed, mixed lack of desire, lack of ability, lack of awareness about what else is clouding their judgment that yeah. makes them resistant to it. Because discipleship's often about finding out what I've committed myself to by committing to following Christ, mm-hmm. right? I'm not sure I knew exactly what I was getting into when mm-hmm. I signed up for this. And I'm the life of discipleship's kind of finding out the implications of a yeah. choice I've already made. Yeah. And that requires me making new judgment calls that I wouldn't have made two years ago. Because all of a sudden, because it's not like immediately upon conversion, all your assumptions about the world change. <laughs> you, you've you become committed to change all of your right. assumptions, but you, all your assumptions don't change overnight. Right. They actually tend to change one by one <laughs> as they get replaced with new ones. Um, and then you wake up to this brand yes, new reality, right? It's like, right. Oh, 
I don't, I don't see the world as I used to but see But that's it. why you call it waking up. Because yeah. there's a sense in which, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I kind of knew it all along yeah. that I would probably have to change the way I live by accepting that Jesus is Lord. <laughs> but it it wasn't clear until it's clear, right? And I, uh, the reason I was reaching around for this Kierkegaard is because I've been reading Soren Kierkegaard lately for a class and, and that I'm prepping for. And he's been talking here. I couldn't find the passage quick enough. And he's 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 voluminous. He's, uh, he speaks at great length anyway, so I'll leave it be. Although he's always funnier. He can always put it funnier than I can. But he's got all this great stuff in there about like, he talks about parables and indirect communication. And he's got this great thing where he says, um, you know, if a man stands before you, right, and says, I am God, even though he's speaking absolutely straightforwardly and plainly, right, that is still indirect communication. Because all you see is a man, not God, right? Like, like right, the, it's like it's built into the reality of Jesus that he just kind of is a parable. Mm-hmm. I mean, he tells parables, mm-hmm. but in a sense, he just is a parable because there's just... It's, it's the truth told slant. It's God in human flesh. So there's almost like a, a parabolic structure to his being such that actually like him speaking in parables, like a parabolic person speaking in parables is actually direct. It actually fits. It's actually the only way in a way. I know this is silly, but it isn't silly. It's meant to kind of say that he, the parabolic speech of Jesus is not just this kind of like, it's not just a communication technique. Right. It, it mm. it's also it's it's fundamentally part of his existence of mm-hmm. who he is. Mm. He is God in the flesh, which can only be seen by faith. Right. We beheld his glory. Right. The glory of the only son. Right. Um, but no one has seen the father. Right. Except the son. Right. The father's absolute mm-hmm. mystery. Mm-hmm. But the son has made him known. Mm-hmm. Right. So the son who's in the bosom of the father makes him known. So if you've seen me, you've seen the father. I and the father are one. Right. That's what is I'm kind of wanting to get at is there's a distinction between father and son here. Mm-hmm. And yet there is no sort of access to the father except through the son. Just as, I mean, I'm thinking of Matthew 11 here, right? The No one knows the father except the, when you were talking about clarity earlier, maybe you think of it, Matthew 11. No one knows the father except the son. No one knows the son except the father. I said it the wrong way. No one knows the son except the father. And no one knows the father except the son and to him whom the son wills to reveal, right? So whoever he, you know, draws into fellowship with him, if you become intimate with Christ, then you become intimate with the father because it's only through him that you can truly know the father. Is that making any sense or did I change the subject? I did bring up Matthew 11, but... I <laughs> changed the subject, but I mean, that's, that's, that's part of the... That's, this is the wandering of, of observation and then, and then testing things out. Yeah, I'm trying to kind of engage in some interpretive questions of like, what's the heart of this passage, you know? So even though I'm kind of going off with Kierkegaard and um, you were helping me a little bit with like thinking about resistance and unbelief in verse 25, um, it's like, what's really going on here? What's at stake here? What's the kind of heart of this passage? You know, I know when, for me with preaching, I'm often, I'm drawn to this or that element of a text. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I want to, I'm trying to ask myself, like, what's the heart of this? Like, what's the, 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 the big idea, the core idea of this passage? Um, so that any sermon that, that develops that idea, though it could go in 66 different directions, right. Is still going to be faithful to the text because it's got a sense of the heart of it. Is that making sense? Yeah. So those are some meta. Whoa, meta dude. Uh, it, I mean, it's interesting that Jesus does give an answer, in a sense, to our question of <laughs> why don't they believe? Uh, you do not believe mm. because you are not my sheep. Yeah, 
That's right. You do not believe because you are not my sheep. I'm trying to think about the the consciousness of a, of a sheep. I mean, sheep, uh, you know, are are pretty basic in their understandings, right? Fear, hunger, sexual drive. Mm-hmm. Be about it. They they have some social attachment. To, uh, you can train them. Yeah, they they they, right. res- they respond to it. But I mean, I'm, some animals can't. I mean, t- I'm that. talking about their their sense of uh, like a sheep. Mm-hmm. A sheep doesn't understand it's a sheep, right? It doesn't under- yeah, it, sure, it, sure, it, sure. It responds. Doesn't have self consciousness. It, it only yeah. has consciousness. But it has enough of a ma- but, it. Ha- it's enough of an advanced mammal to like know what flock it belongs to. Yeah, it recognizes. Recognize, yeah, recognize its mom. Yeah, which my, lizards don't have. Lizards my, uh, can't do that. Lizards aren't like. Oh, here comes my owner. It's like, oh, here comes scary thing again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who? My, my, <laughs> you know what I mean? My uncle used to uh, raise sheep. Okay. And, and so whenever he'd, he'd call them, like he, he could shake the yeah. hands in a certain way. And, and he'd, he'd call them by saying, mon sheep. Like that was his, that mon, was sheep. His mon sheep. And, and they, they recognized, right? So, so there's that. Um, but it's still very minimal. It's not. Right. And, and, and so I'm thinking about that in terms of the, the verb of listen. And my sheep listen, and with listening, I'm thinking there's a there's a there's a paying of attention, right? There's not simply a trigger. There's there's mm. a paying of attention. There's not simply a trigger to what they recognize. There's a there's an attention that's given. There's an attending to the voice, and that being that being the distinction between not his sheep and his sheep. Ah, it, it uh-huh. is those who are his sheep attend, right? They are they are right. They are listening, and so there's there's a subtle like invitation into this that if they actually want an answer to the question. And attend, they'll become a sheep. Yeah, right? it's 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 held out for them again in a slant way, right? right? In a, in a slant way, but it's still held out for them uh, again. Yeah, if you believed, you would be my sheep. It's kind of like, well, how do I become your sheep? Well, hear and believe. You know, like <laughs> it's like this. But we don't. But we're not believing you. Oh, well, then you must not be my sheep. It's this weird kind of. It's it it is the signature sign. Of being my sheep versus another sheep is that when I say come, you drop your nets and follow. Yeah, no, it's very, it's very striking. Yeah, that attentiveness. And it's great because literally my sheep hear my voice. There is that side of hearing where like literally they can hear the words that are coming out of his mouth. So clearly it's a metaphor, right? It's a metaphor for paying attention, obeying, receptivity again comes up, right? Versus resistance. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, a sense of conscious seeing, right? Earlier on in the Gospel of John, um, come and you will see, right? This mm-hmm. theme that goes through earlier in John. Um, you will and even see. just chapter nine, just right before, um, right? Yeah. And there's a sense of seeing and now seeing, seeing, knowing what you see, right? There, there's a there's a knowledge about what you're seeing, not mm-hmm. not simply not simply seeing what your eyes happen to be fixed upon, but but knowing knowing what it is you see, and the sense of the mutual knowledge. Of uh, that's that's revealed up in earlier in John ten, um, he calls his own sheep by name and lead them out. That that the shepherd knows the sheep, the sheep know the shepherd, and in that relationship, there's a knowledge of who is the shepherd and who is the sheep. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a, there's an understanding of of who I am in it, and I think about that with the the Jews here. They then will take action right after this. Well, what in the midst of the story, mm-hmm. they will take action to protect the nation by stoning Jesus. Right, they're gonna they're gonna weed out the blasphemer because he's blaspheming, and they don't want the displeasure of God. Further on, they're going to other Jewish leaders are going to take want to take Jesus' life because of the political ramifications that they're going to lose their land to the Romans. But they're they're putting themselves in the posture of the shepherd, 
in the posture of the leader of the nation. And so they're they're seeing in a sense, but they're not knowing what they're seeing. What they what they think they're seeing, they're wrong in what they're seeing. Yeah, they're not seeing it correctly, uh, which is interesting. That that's where the passage goes. That they pick up stones to stone them. So they're if there is a sense of resistance but not rebellion at the start, it does turn to yeah, rebellion yeah, yeah, at yeah. the end. Yeah, you know the, yeah. the the clarity what they've got. So much paradox mixed in. It's like that's it's like yeah, that's what I keep seeing confusion or or at least lack of clarity. Um. Some kind of clarity leading to their sense of, oh, this is who we really are. We really are rebellious people who want to stone, yeah. who want to stone you. Um, if they weren't at the start. But imagine that we're glorifying God in doing so. Ever seeing, never perceiving. Right, right. right. <laughs> and like in man, John 16, is, Jesus will say, there will be people who will persecute you and think yeah. they're glorifying God in yeah. doing so. That yeah. is, on the one hand, is very and and when I think about that in terms of my own devotional reading, on the one hand, is very comforting. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, is very it, not on the other hand because not contrast. It's very comforting and it's very humbling. Yep, all at once, all at once. Because I'm like, man, this world seems so upside down to me in different ways. I'm like, how in the world does that make sense to anybody? Mm-hmm. And yet, it's exactly what you should expect. And I'm like, okay, the world is making sense to me in some way. I need to keep being driven back to Jesus. I need to yeah. keep attending to that voice and listening for, for where he is leading. Because maybe I simply have those very basic desires of, <laughs> of food and yeah. safety, right? Like, and as long as he's delivering on those fronts, you're fine. You're cool with being a sheep, but are you really following the voice so that when those things dry up, you're really right. going to run keep off. Keep on right. Am I still going You'll to be scattered yeah. as the disciples are. You yeah. hit, hit the she- hit the shepherd and the sheep run. Right. Well, let's uh, take a quick break there. When we come back, let's uh, start sketching out some sermon ideas. Before we jump back in, verse 39. No. I just want to ask this. No, you're good. Uh, Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Was Mm -hmm. one of those the uh, same as snatching? I'm curious. I don't know. know Sought to arrest is probably not, but I'll check. No, sought to arrest. No, but the hand is – the hand appears in 29. Right? Um, no one can take them out of the hand of my father. Oh, okay. And he escaped their hands. Oh, okay. But, okay. but you don't know. No, the uh, seeking to arrest is is uh, Zateo and, and PSI. So. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, that's fine to ask. Right. You can ask me Greek questions for four hours. I'd be fine. We just <laughs> definitely would have to edit that down. So I'm waiting for that. We're back. And we're back. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Let's. Uh, what's What's your winkle? Where Where would you want to run with this? I don't know, man. Well, I'll pitch, I don't know. I'll you pitch an start. idea. Okay. I'll pitch an idea. So it's kind of funny. Like everything that we've talked about up till now will all feed in as kind of backfill in to the sermon. I think. But in any way, I kind of want to pick it up from the back end of the uh, passage. Okay. This my father, who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And the line before that, no one will snatch them out of my hand. Where we started, back with the snatching. Mm-hmm. It's that double hand mm. captured me, mm. right? So there's the sheep, right? So I'm going to move away from sheep for a moment, just focus on the hand, which is what captured my, kind of reminded of this thought uh, at the end with your question. So see it all, everything's back. Like take a marble, put it in your hand, and close your hand. Right now, if I put my hand, Aaron could probably 
you know, with all his might, open my hand up, right? Right? But like, what if I put the marble in my hand, close it in the hand, right? And then put my other hand on top of that, right? That's going to be a lot harder for Aaron with the same strength to be able to undo, right? And then if you realize that when then he says, I'm the father of one, so it's kind of like this double whammy. It's almost like combine mm. those hands into one, like kind of perfectly united hand and stick the marble in there. It's like, you're just never going to get it out of there. You know what I mean? Um, that was kind of this image that was kind of emerging for me is, and I saw, I mean, I, I saw, I remembered, I gave like a Devo on this years ago and I, all I saw was my, all I usually have for a Devo is just like one line. And then everything else is, I don't even remember the way I, how I developed it. Maybe it was that, maybe it was something else. I don't know if the marble came from that. I don't think it did. I don't remember saying anything about a marble, but I've got it here. It's God's grip on you is stronger than your grip on him. That was the line. And I, and I think I have it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt Beck like typed it. <laughs> he must've got a like label maker and he made these little stickers mm. of it and gave them to kids after. Um, but just that simple picture of like, yeah, I'm grasping at God. But I'm just a sheep. You know, I'm a little bit dumb. I'm a little confused. I don't have it all sorted out. But I am listening to him, right? I am one of his sheep, right? Um, and in, insofar as that's the case, right, then he has a hold of me and the Father has a hold of Christ, right? So I am in Christ and Christ is in the Father and the Father and the Son are one. And it's just John 17 action all over again, which fittingly in John 17, he prays protect them right mm. keep them from the evil one the snatcher yeah, yeah, yeah. i feel like this is finally like giving me a way to maybe even preach 717 right it's kind of just right yep. the deep promise of protection now i love the way we discuss the passage today to backfill into that though because the passage is addressed to you know those who are at least not yet sheep right and and demonstrate their non-sheepness by stoning him right mm -hmm. um and so that distinction between resistance and rebellion which i think you said was mine, but I didn't name it that clearly. You gave it the nickname, but that's going to be helpful for thinking it through because there is kind of a, um, you know, the, the side to it that sort of the invitation, right? Cause there's, I feel like the last time I must've preached this, I really only got the, the, the fact of God's greatness holding it all together. Right. And I feel like if I were to preach a sermon on this passage afresh, I'd want to bring out that sense of invitation that he's saying mm -hmm. these words to those who are not his sheep, or at least not yet mm -hmm. his sheep. And there's that invitation that all it takes, it could be that all it takes to be his sheep is to listen. Mm -hmm. That's at least what you started yeah, implying yeah, yeah. that I thought was really powerful yeah. and could be a little bit of a sermon just about listening and following, you know, I don't know. That's this beginnings of a, of a yeah. sermon idea. Yeah. We can play with that one and just write one together unless you have a different direction you'd want to go. I don't know. I haven't, what hasn't, it hasn't gripped me yet. It hasn't gripped yeah. me yet. Hey, and, grip. That's in my, God's oh, grip on you. Oh, planted that word in my, cause it, it's the, you know, the lectionary sticks this in the resurrection season, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? And that's part of why the grip language, the idea of him, the father raising the son and by raising the son, he's raising us with him, you know? Hebrews 13, the great shepherd who leads the sheep out of death. That's at least where my brain's going. I'll go with you. We'll take <laughs> uh, if you were going to help me write my sermon, what would you, what would you say to me? What do you think I need to make sure to say or not to say or avoid? Uh, give it to me again. Give me a brief, brief synopsis on it. Cause I wasn't thinking specifically about what you were saying. I was thinking 
Do what I can I contribute? Direction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so give it to me again, and let me let me think about what you're saying. Yeah, um, God has a hold of Christ, and Christ has a hold of you. All you have to do is listen. That's that's the phrase in my head right now. All you're invited to do today is hear the voice of the shepherd. Something like that. This is what this is what I'm playing with right now. I mean, it's obviously not a sermon yet. It's just an idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm thinking about the the phenomenology of listening and how there. One of the reasons we tune out mm. is because it's dangerous to listen. It's dangerous to let words into our bodies. And when we listen, that's exactly what's happening. Another words from another person are actually entering into our bodies. Yeah. And we don't let knives and into our bodies. We don't let needles into our bodies <laughs> without being really careful about it. Yeah, right? Even by, food. By, we don't, don't want to poison, although we do. Yeah, we're, we're, a little we bit, should. we're a little bit less concerned about food than we are with sharp metal objects most of the time. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a sense you of... You don't need dirt. So we have some limit. Dirt. Um, <laughs> and that might, and that might be a place that you could spin or spin this around that, that sheep are, are discerning about what they eat. They will they will choose yummier th- things than other things, but they will also just bury their head and eat grass. Mm-hmm. And in a world that is so filled with words, mm-hmm. and even in even words that attempt to be clear and clear and clear, that arise out from us very specific action. And think about marketing. Yes, like very clear words that have in mind very specific action they want That's us right. to take. And here the clarity from Jesus is not that it there's, there's an opaqueness to it. There's a slantness to it. And the action is, you just want us to listen, right? There should be some greater quest. There should be something more Lay out the plan. Yeah. But then you wouldn't have, then you wouldn't listen. Yeah. So there, there, might, there might be a way you could draw a contrast between, yeah. between the, the word made flesh here addressing his sheep and the word, the word I'm trying to think of a good turn of phrase. Like, the the word made cash or something like that, which is right. which is what we're so often living in, is is economics. That there, there's something, to, a word is given to us. The end of which is, what will we acquire? And the gift here is eternal life, and it's given by the Father, who's greater than all. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's it's actually a much better gift than it's a different economy. To use yeah. that language earlier, yeah. the, and you mentioned it earlier, something about the economy of the Father and the Son. And, yeah. Um, now I like it. This is this often happens. I feel like it's it's it's. I don't know if it's fifty fifty, but I'll, I'll roll with that for now. It's like fifty fifty of the time when we do this together. It's like we have like these full blown sermons ready to go. We basically like yeah. All right, here's a big idea. Here's three points. Here's your illustration. Ready to go. Let's do it. Right. And I always feel excited and and I, and I'm glad to offer to our listeners, something, you know, that's further more cooked, you know? And then the other half of the weeks, there's these, like, it's just the germ of an idea, mm-hmm. you know? And often those are the ones that like stick with me deeper because mm-hmm. th- those are often quote fresher, right? It's kind of like, here's an idea that hasn't fully found its flesh yet. And, um, it maybe some value to me and hopefully someone who's listening and might say, yeah, that actually clicks with me too. I want to see where that might might take me. I really, I, I'm realizing, oh, go ahead, go ahead. You're starting to say that. Oh, I just, uh, one, one way that I might spin this is, is to imagine the person who's among this category of the Jews gathered around him who is ready to listen. Mm. And is there somebody in, in the church that actually has come that day who needs, 
who is ready to listen. Mm-hmm. Because so often I want to, I want to try. I mean, my my mo is is often let me try and win over those who are against. But what if, uh. what if I imagined the one who's ready to start listening, and that that there's been stirring, there there's been a hearing of yes. the voice of God in some kind of like a, a mm-hmm. subtle undercurrent kind of voice, and they're ready to, to listen. Is could I speak to that person? Because mm. nobody else hears. That's that's almost what you'd expect, right? From the passage. But if there's a, if there's one or, or you know there might there might be a way that 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 would inspire me right. to tailor a sermon, knowing that there might be actually there might be people I could name in my church that I know they're listening. Yeah. But there's also some that I don't I don't yet know are listening, and, yeah. and they're there. Right. They might not even know they're listening yet. They're you yeah. know, they're moving in that yeah. direction yeah. Uh, because resistance and receptivity are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. You can be both receiving and resisting at the same time. And the only thing that gets in the way is open rebellion, right? Actually, even in resistance, Christ can work with that. Do you know what I mean? He can nudge it a little, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like that's so that's a powerful mm-hmm. oh, image. That, yeah. that, that took me back to the hard heartedness or that took me back to the fundamentalology of listening yeah. is when I think about the biblical language of hard heartedness, like those words are like they're going in, but it's like they're bouncing off the heart and they're right. coming right back out. And and rather than rather than the soft heart, right? And thinking about is there that, that might be another way in um to give an image, mm. are the do words not harden of, your hearts. 99, Psalm ninety five. Are, are the words yeah. of Jesus? Do you do you have? If there, you hear um, His voice portion, today, do yeah. not harden your hearts. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Psalm ninety five. Yeah. It, um, is there is there a portion of your heart that is softening, or what softens your heart so that the words can can yeah. stick? And yeah, there's 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 a few things that is starting to churn. With, I like with it. What you described. I like it. I like it. Yeah, it occurs to me that the last time I preached on this passage that did that devotional years ago, it was, I remember finishing it and thinking like, and it was at this Wesleyan church, right? This youth groups, right? And I was thinking, some of the parents of these kids are like really die in the wool like Wesleyans. And that was a pretty reformed sermon that I just preached. And I was okay with that. It was true. I think it was true statements. But I do remember coming away from it thinking, what could I do? What twist could I give to that sermon? Or what's a whole new sermon I could do with this text? that would bring out the aspect of the human receptivity in freedom, you know? And I feel like that was under, there was a bit of an undercurrent of mm-hmm. our conversation today. I yeah. didn't want to over determine it. So I didn't mention that now till the end, but to kind of say like, I want to find a way to, to assure people deeply of God's omnipotent grace to hold us and to hold us when we are in Christ while at the same time offering an invitation. And it's this, this language of listening and hearing that helps me kind of give language to that side of the equation that was in many ways missing mm. from last time I preached it. Again, I don't feel guilty about that. I just want to think through can't say everything. Yeah. You can't say everything every yeah. sermon. Yeah. Every sermon is a heresy as it stands alone it has to be, or it wouldn't be clear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you take an angle. The point yeah. is don't take the same dang angle every week, yeah. right? The point is it balances out hopefully yeah. over a year. Yeah. You're Orthodox. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I've got a poem that's a, an old favorite. I can't remember if I've read this before. I don't think I have. It's it's riffing off John ten twenty seven. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And this links right up with the stuff about marketing. So mm. we'll end with this. It is so difficult to listen to the voice instead of the voices, the ones that rattle around in my own head. And the marketers announcing, buy this, you need that, come here, go there, sell yourself. 
How can I listen for that still, small voice to find my own voice? Ah, be still and know. God is still speaking. God is still speaking. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Thanks much, Aaron. I had a good time with you this week. Yeah. I want to say a big thanks to Aaron for our guest this week and a thanks to uh, Eric Fisher for the great production work he uh, always does for us and Tom for donating that music. Uh, Anything you want to plug before we head on out? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure when this is going to... You said third week of Easter? Yeah, this will drop. Yeah, this is third week of Easter, so it'll drop in uh, early May. All right. Early May. Uh, Well... If it hasn't yet aired, you and I are going to record a podcast yes. for Western Seminary Podcast, and it's going to be on the theme of Ask a Theologian. So I'm gathering some questions. So if it hasn't aired, people can send me questions. If it has aired, send me questions and we'll record a second one. There so, you go. so check it out. Check out the Western Seminary go. Podcast, Ask a Theologian with uh, John Drury. And uh, if it's aired, then you'll get it. If it hasn't, send me a question and we'll entertain it. And if it has aired, send me another question. We'll do part ha- two. Have a second one. Yeah. Can't wait. Sounds great. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, uh, Aaron and Eric and all our listeners. And make sure to uh, subscribe to us on uh, iTunes or wherever you get your uh, podcasts and uh, review us so that people can get the word out and share us on your social media and all that uh, self-promoting kind of things that I need to say at the end of the podcast. So, all right. Thanks so much. Have a great preach and a good week.